You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to answer your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. we got a really good one uh, coming up. So, Layla, let's have it. Yeah, this is from Betsy. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. I've heard that if the triglyceride to HDL ratio is less than two, no need for statin. My ratio is 1.2. And, but my total cholesterol is 248, and my LDL is 160. I've been listening to Dr. Peter, Peter Atia, ah. and he talks a lot about the necessity of a low LDL for heart health, but I haven't heard him mention this ratio. Is there really? anything to it? Well, this is really interesting because uh, I, too, have been listening to, you know, I mean, I love listening to podcasts, but it gets a little boring listening to my own podcasts. I recommend it very highly, but since I do them, I don't listen to them. And so (laughs) in my my leisure time, when I'm on a long drive or when I'm walking to work, when I have a little time, downtime, uh, I really absorb information through uh, experts like uh, Dr. Pete Atia. does a great, by the way, his his book is uh, number two on the New York Times nonfiction uh, bestseller list. And uh, he's a brilliant guy. Um, And I also listen to uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. And there are other people out there who have great podcasts. And what they do is they boil down science for the lay person. Uh, but I find a Peter Atia can be very wonky. And, you know, even as a well-trained medical professional, sometimes I'm struggling a little bit to keep up with him because, uh, you know, his conversations sometimes occur at a very high level. Uh, okay, so and I'm familiar with his stance. His stance, if I can sum it up, is that, LDL uh, is a concern and it should be targeted and lowered aggressively. But the latest thing that he's into is a marker of cardiovascular risk is something called ApoB, uh, apolipoprotein B100, but abbreviated ApoB, which is a test that you can get and we frequently do it on patients. And uh, he wants it to be uh, under 100 and if you've got risk, even lower. So uh, mm-hmm. the other thing I'll point out is that the general medical consensus these days is with lowering cholesterol is how low can you go? And I recently, yeah. I recently listened to a, I didn't, I, actually I viewed a presentation. It was a VCAST with the provocative subject, should we be putting statins in the drinking water? 
Oh my and gosh! From, and it was from a conventional oh doctor, and I I had expected the worst. You know that the guy was going to actually it was uh-huh. it was going to make an argument for putting statins in the drinking water. Uh, but to my pleasant surprise, uh, he's a big believer in statins. But what he did was he talked about how people at minimal or no risk derive no benefit from statins, which I agree with. Uh, people who are at moderate risk may get a little bit of benefit from statins. People who are shown to have blockage or mm-hmm. having a lot of calcification, they might be, that's where you might use statins a little more aggressively. People who've had heart attacks, it's almost no question. People who've had bypass surgery yes. or stents, they're very prone to atherosclerosis. Yes. So they yeah. really yeah. probably should have uh, statins. And then the question mm-hmm. is, how low can you go? And, you know, uh, I to give you an example, because uh, I remember this from uh, Peter Tia's pad- podcast, he uh, has a plaque score of six, which is very low, but it does indicate a propensity to cardiovascular disease. And he's like 49 years old. And so he's mm-hmm. worried that this could progress. So he's not only in a statin, he's on a PCSK9 inhibitor, lowering his cholesterol to vanishingly low levels. I mean, he may have a cholesterol of like 92 and, uh, you know, his uh, LDL is like, you know, 25 or something ridiculously low. And I'm not sure oh that that's goodness. good. And I'm, sure, I'm not sure that that's not overkill. But he's a big believer in the cholesterol hypothesis and uh, thinks that, uh-huh. I mean, he's gone so far as to say that with these tools, with the medications that are available, we can eradicate cardiovascular disease. Why aren't we using more of these medications? Well, I don't believe that. Um, so mm. let's go back to this example. I mean, what this woman... It's a woman, right? Yes, Betsy. Okay, so Betsy. Betsy has a high cholesterol of 240. She has an LDL, which mm-hmm. is considered unacceptably high. She has, however, right, at once it's- a, mm-hmm. uh, she has a triglyceride to HDL ratio of 1.2, which means that her, her uh, triglycerides are almost the same as her HDL, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, she has a high HDL and a low triglycerides. And that is, I think, an important determinant of cardiovascular risk. But I got to say that the only yes. determinant of cardiovascular risk is because you can make predictions, but you can't know. The only determinant yeah. is what happens in life. You know, are you going to get yes. you know, a heart attack or, you know, angina or stroke? But... So you don't want to do that, right? You don't want to say, well, let's find out. Let's see, you know, if I do get it. No, you don't want to do that. You want to actually preempt it. So you do imaging. And there's a, there's actually now three types of imaging you can do. Uh, there's, uh, there's the old-fashioned, because it's been around 25 years or more, just getting a calcium score on a CT. And that'll show your plaque score. But it doesn't... Dif- some people would argue, mm-hmm. well, you have a low plaque score, but you might have a lot of soft plaque. So then you can do uh, a CTA, uh, a CT angiogram, which involves injecting some dye and then taking a picture of the coronary vasculature. And that'll distinguish between hard plaque and soft plaque. There's actually a, a very interesting new test, which is being pioneered, which will show, because we have instances where, I mean, I'm on a I'm on a listserv for cyclists over 70. 
you know, which like I see these uh-huh. guys doing these amazing feats, you know, like they go to the Tour de France and they, they're not in the Tour de France because they're 70, but they'll, they'll do these like touristy things where they give you an opportunity to go on the same course before the riders arrive or after the riders arrive and go up like 5,000 feet into the Alps or something like that, and, you know, at a like uh, 10% grade, you know, and these guys are over 70. But what happens with some of these guys is some of these guys, because I'm reading stuff that they say, they go, yeah, you know, I feel fine, but um, I just had um, an angiogram and it says I have 80% blockage. Well, what's going on with that? You've got 80% blockage and you're going up like the mountain. Well, what can happen is just blockage alone doesn't tell you about flow. Uh, yes. Because you can have what's called collaterals. You can have like a kind of like collaterals you know, that sell. Yeah. You can have collateral flow. There's actually a new test which is being pioneered, uh, which is a, and it's not available uh, generally, and you can get it at a few select centers, which actually not only tells you whether you have the potential for blockage, but it tells you about flow. And it used to be the way you used to do that is you'd go into the cath lab and you get a catheterization. Now you can do it non-invasively. Mm-hmm. You can actually see if you have adequate flow. So backing up to this woman's situation is, I you know I don't know what else is going on with her. Does she is she thin? Is she athletic? Is she uh, does she have an elevated hemoglobin A one C? Does she have an elevated uh, highly sensitive C reactive protein? Does she have LPA that's elevated? Uh, Does she have a high homocysteine? Yes. Yeah, we don't know what her plaque score is. Maybe she's had it and she forgot to tell us. Um, so we would do, and I'm finding I'm doing this more and more, is I'm doing second opinions on statin use or use of even stronger medications. And I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of an outlier in the integrative community in that I say there are some instances where people really need the statins and will benefit. And I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, trying to emulate Peter Atia because I think he's extreme in his views. But I, what he's saying has a kernel of sense is that these are important tools. And if people show a propensity to cardiovascular disease, not just based on a high cholesterol, but by evidence looking at their arteries, there yeah. is a case to be made for prevention, especially in younger individuals, you know, because you know, I, I ask patients like facetiously, how long do you plan to live? What, another 35, 40 years? You know, they're maybe 60 years old. And, you know, they go, yeah, okay. I'd like to, you know, be 100. Well, in 40 years, starting with a plaque score that's relatively low, you can get a, you, it just, it goes up. It's like, it's like if you had bought, yeah. you know, IBM stock in 1950, <laughs> you know, it, it rose right. by a certain percentage <laughs> every year. You, you know, you, you bought like a, yeah. Five thousand dollars of IBM in nineteen fifty. Well, oh, you'd be sitting pretty now. Uh, or right. if you bought, um, you know, say um, Apple uh, in nineteen eighty nine, exactly. Yeah. Oh my. So all right. Well, Betsy, things to follow up with. Find out about not just that particular ratio, but the other. Right. Uh, labs that Dr. Hoffman just mentioned, your high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, just to reiterate, homocysteine, lipoprotein, little a, all of that, yeah. hemoglobin A1C. These and, are important. I'm pleased to be listed among you know your listening options if you're a discerning listener and you listen to such luminaries as Peter Atia. More power to you. Uh, it's just that 
you know, all that information is sometimes conflicting information. That's why we try to individualize treatment patients. That's true. That's true. All right. Thank you, Betsy. Okay, we've got an email here from Nellie. Dr. Hoffman, thank you for your radio show. I try to listen every week. My husband has extreme pain within 10 minutes of sitting down. Hmm. It is 10 plus pain from his left knee to his ankle. His left foot goes numb. Mm -hmm. What can he do? Who can help him? The local neurologist wants to do a spinal fusion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously he has a form of sciatica compression of the nerve. And so, uh, you know, is there something that can be done short of that? I don't know what the doctor is seeing. The doctor may be seeing a real serious impingement of one of the spinal roots that Mm. goes down. I mean, this is typical for sciatica. Sciatic pain uh, is radiates uh, from the lower back into the buttocks, into the into the lower extremities, usually one-sided, because it's you know you don't get necessarily symmetrical uh, nerve compression. It's usually one side predominant, and uh-huh. this can be fixed with neurosurgery. Um, you know, is there a, a, something short of that? I mean, often what they do is they'll do uh, like steroid injections into the spine to relieve the pressure. That's often done, but you know, sometimes only provides temporary relief. Um, it sounds like it's positional, so that suggests that when he bends his spine in a certain way, when he sits down, that the compression is worse. So mm. it does sound like a mechanical problem, and mechanical problems sometimes lend themselves to surgical solutions. And yeah. if I were to say, well, you know, take fish oil or curcumin or, you know, take some magnesium to relieve the spasm, I don't know if that's going to be adequate to treat a problem of this magnitude. Yeah. Wow. And a spinal fusion, Dr. Hoffman, what are the success rates of such surgeries, do you think? The problem with spinal fusions, and some studies have shown this, is that they, they're very successful at the outset. But uh, often, you know, five years hence or 10 years hence, the patient is in the, you know, in the same place as someone who's not undertaken the surgery. Because uh-huh. it does restrict mobility, and then that sometimes translates to problems, uh, you know, upstream or downstream of where the fusion is. So mm-hmm. I think the best course is, you know, get pain-free, then embark on a real program of physical rehabilitation so that you strengthen your core and you're not so prone to problems. And then that's where the supplements, the anti-inflammatory supplements, an anti-inflammatory diet could play a role. I mean, we also don't know, you know, what's this guy's height and weight? I mean, is this guy like, you know, 280 pounds? I mean, that's going to put right. enormous pressure on your spine. And yes. sometimes there is a nutritional uh, element to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Nellie, we hope your husband feels better soon. All right. That's a tough one. Okay. We've got, oh, wow. We've got an email here from Joanne. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. John had immunotherapy. We don't know who John is. I, I'm assuming her husband, maybe yeah. it's her son. John had immunotherapy, and it caused his colitis to come back with yeah. a fury. Yes, it does that, yeah. What diet do you recommend when he returns home? Oh, okay. well, well, we, 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, so just let me speak to that, and then you can talk a little sure. bit about the diet. Uh, is these immunotherapies now for melanoma, for example, uh, will often, uh, they change the immune system, they cause the immune system to attack the cancer. Okay, that's good. But in so activating the immune system, they may activate autoimmunity and create yes. autoimmune problems. And that's how, uh, and colitis is not an infrequent complication with some of these immunotherapies for cancer. Uh, and these are different immunotherapies that say, you know, immunotherapy for rheumatoid arthritis is not like that. In fact, some of the immunotherapies for rheumatoid arthritis are interchangeable with uh, immunotherapies for ulcerative colitis. They work in the same direction, suppressing the immunity. But when you sort of jazz up the immunity uh, with immunotherapy for cancer, uh, you may have some untoward side effects. So, uh, Bottom line, we would treat this type of colitis the way we treat ordinary ulcerative colitis. Uh, mm -hmm. We haven't had that many patients with immunotherapy-induced uh, colitis because it's relatively new. But, you know, for the last 35 years, I've been treating ulcerative colitis with diet and certain supplements. So that's kind of your department, Layla. Let's talk about the diet. Yeah, well, the ultimate diet for inflammatory bowel disease like ulcerative colitis is the specific carbohydrate diet, which involves eliminating all sugars, all grains, starchy vegetables like potatoes, chickpeas, soybeans, all fluid milk, because we're getting rid of all the disaccharide sugars and lactose is included in that. And eating this way for a period of time until symptoms really begin to come under control. And I want to tell you, it's extremely gratifying to see amongst our inflammatory bowel disease patients how well they do on the specific carbohydrate diet, more so than anything else. Yes, many people will go gluten-free, even dairy-free, so forth and so on, but when you go even farther by eliminating all the grains and some of the starchy vegetables and limiting, I mean, eliminating all sugar with the exception of fruit, real fruit juice, fructose, fructoses and honey, but all other disaccharide sugars are gone. It can make a real difference. Right. And the, and the resource for that is a book, uh, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. And there's yes. also a lot of websites that talk about the SC Diet. Mm -hmm. SCDiet.com, I think, is one of them. And you can use those resources to learn about the diet or see a professional nutritionist like Layla, who's really experienced in, in administering the diet. And one thing I'll say about the diet is that it's not a one-size-fits-all, that sometimes we have to refine the diet because some of the things yes. are permissible, some people don't tolerate. Uh, sometimes you have to phase it in. You know, there's like phase one, exactly. phase two, phase three. You know, so you can't just, well, here's the diet. Like, oh, great, I'm going to eat all these almond flour cookies, you know. No, not, not if you're having a whole lot of diarrhea and all of that kind of thing. There are phases. And, you know, every patient presents differently with where they are in their symptoms, and we have to meet them there with what it will be allowable, modify it accordingly, yep. and then progress as tolerated. Yeah. And then yeah. so – what we will also do is use companion nutrients. And, you know, we're, we're fighting yes. cancer here, presumably. We could use curcumin, which is both anti-cancer and anti-inflammatory to um, mm. colitis. That would be something we can use, possibly boswellin. Certainly omega-3 fatty acids would be helpful here. Uh, certainly vitamin D, which is helpful for both cancer and for ulcerative colitis. You know, I'm just making 
you know, a few conservative recommendations here because I don't even know what this guy's cancer predicament is, whether, yeah. uh, you know, these are appropriate for his underlying condition for which he got the immunotherapy. Yes, 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 yes. So, Joanne, wow. Okay. Best of luck to John, and uh, thank you for writing us. Yeah, also, fantastic questions today. Do we have time for one more, please? Okay, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Hoffman, I got a mild case of COVID end of January 2023, and ever since then I've been dealing with bad fatigue, nerve pain, POTS. Yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. What would you suggest? This is a long COVID case right there. Yeah. And long COVID, uh, by the way, they just did a trial of Paxlovid for long COVID, you know, the medication for the antiviral. Yes. And it failed. It, it just, I mean, the theory was maybe some people have long COVID because they have chronic viral infection, whatever. Mm -hmm. Paxlovid did nothing. So they stopped that trial because it was worthless. Uh, in terms of conventional stuff, they haven't come up with a lot. Uh, I would say that, you know, among the things that are most helpful, uh, low-dose naltrexone, which has to be prescribed, uh, yep. you know, just an individualized nutrition uh, program, uh, you know, with things that improve cognitive function, that support the mitochondria. You know, we'd want to use coenzyme Q10, nicotinamide riboside, which is NAD support. Um, you know, maybe things like uh, creatine for muscle strength. Uh, these are, you know, some of the strategies, but I think we have to distinguish because there are different manifestations of this. You know, nerve pain, you know, we're thinking B12, we're thinking maybe benfotiamine, which is an active form of vitamin B1. Yeah. Uh, you know, acetyl-L-carnitine for nerve pain. Uh, Alpha-lipoic acid. Absolutely. Yeah. These are some of the things. But, you know, I think there is not long COVID. There's long COVIDs. Ah, uh, like yes. Different manifestations because... Um, but, you know, and then there's the, there's the microbiome. And in fact, uh, I've got a podcast queued up tomorrow with an expert on the, the GI tract uh, who's a certified nutrition specialist. And uh, she's going to talk about how the microbiome is changed by COVID and how uh, sometimes addressing the microbiome. And maybe at a future date, we'll take some patients with long COVID and give them fecal transplants, you know, because probiotics may not even be enough to completely... Uh, remodel their microbiome. Yes. Uh, fecal transplant is really gaining in popularity. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, not uh, in the, you know, not in the popular press, but it's as a, <laughs> and it's, it's, but it, there's so many things that are microbiome dependent and neurological diseases too. There's True. evidence of, around Parkinson's disease and mm -hmm. uh, around many neurodegenerative diseases. So, uh, there certainly is when you're up against it, this is a relatively mild and benign treatment, uh, to undertake. So, mm -hmm. anyway. Okay. Well, yeah. Wow. So Jennifer, best of luck to you, but there you have it. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that qualifies as long COVID because it's yeah. been months since that was yeah, Jennifer also mentions, a neighbor of mine was treated by you 15 years ago, Dr. Hoffman, for chronic fatigue syndrome following the flu. She made a complete recovery and said you recommended IV vitamin C yep. and vitamin B injections. And that can be helpful. But, you know, yeah. uh, these days, the, these can be helpful, but sometimes you don't even have to go that far. 
to yeah. identify something that you can do easily at home without, uh, yeah. you know, such a, an aggressive form of therapy that can be pricey and inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. We refer patients for that all the time. You know, since mm-hmm. I just a, a note is that my practice has changed more to a consultative practice. It used to be like I had a big office with all kinds of rides and attractions with an IV room where patients were sitting there getting chelation therapy and IVs. Uh, when patients need that, I send them out now because yeah. uh, I'm more leveraging my experience uh, and my, you know, whatever remaining mental faculties I have to <laughs> unravel patients' problems. And I'll send them I'll send them for appropriate treatment if I deem it reasonable, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but often makes... we, we can, you know, just we can address it without mm-hmm. something outside. Okay, yeah. so uh, just a, a reminder, uh, we also have a special report that I want you to see. It's called Immunity Reset, Personalized Plan to Pandemic Proof Your Body and Build Resilience for a Long, Healthy Life. Just go to DearHoffman.com, click on the Read drop-down menu, and then click Immunity Reset because, uh, you know, here's a milestone, Layla. I, you know, I had uh, one of these apps on my phone where you keep your vaccine records and, you know, going to a restaurant in New York, you always had to flash your vaccine record. Mm. So they had a New York state app, which, you know, which was like the official app. And then, you know, literally, I mean, we're standing in restaurants, like fiddling with my phone, like you open up the app and then it would show like the vaccine record. I just got an announcement from New York state saying we're discontinuing the app because of lack of interest and demand. That's, that's, that's great that's news. We know that, you know, we've really crested the butte on, on COVID. Oh, my goodness. Really, I mean, that's really important. And all that surveillance, yes. And all that surveillance and all that, you know, right. Mm-hmm. That whole thing, um, it's not happening. Right. It's the great awakening after all, everybody. Absolutely. All right. Uh, here's to the great awakening. Uh, keep on listening. Thanks for your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Thank you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.